Welcome everyone to another week, another episode of the Rob Genius Podcast. It is first weekend in October. September just flew by so fast, and now we're in October, and we got what, 30 days roughly until election day, a little more than 30, and that's going to be a real stressful time for a whole lot of people. But hopefully, not while you're listening to me here. Anyway, uh, this is episode number 42. Can you believe that? We have 42 of these now. I'm going to talk a bit about that towards the end. But just give you a little rundown of what we got going on here this week. Uh, going to do a little movie talk. Some you know Marvel Studios stuff going on. I got some NFL, got some NBA slash politics, and just some politics by themselves. <laughs> yeah, I finally took the plunge and did a whole bit on politics, even though, you know, I really tried not to do that here, but... Look, it's election season now. Kind of hard to avoid that, really. And also... A subject near and dear to my heart. (laughs) Well, not really, but... Taking criticism. Got a little... Riff or rant or whatever you want to call it about that. That I'm going to lay on you guys... (laughs) So that's everything for this week that we're going to be doing. And decided to turn back the clock a little bit for the music this week. That's David Bowie that you heard. So I haven't uh, haven't really dipped into the you know 70s you know music kind of stuff too much. Well, Bowie was 70s and 80s, you know, some 90s too, probably. But I haven't really dipped into that a whole lot. Um, I know I had The Who one week, uh, you know, Santana towards, you know, one of the early episodes here. I think that's really it, though. Uh, There's some other ones I like to get to. And, um,. You know, I'm going to do one of these weeks. I'll hit you with some Led Zeppelin. You know, um, and whoever else I can think of. <laughs> but yeah, so we got David Bowie this week. He's got lots of good stuff. And so I'll be playing a whole bunch of that. And as always, if you're not that familiar with David Bowie. Go dig through the catalog. Get a little sample here this week, but I think he's definitely somebody worth, you know, listening to at length for your own enjoyment. 
So with that in mind, going to take you to a little more David Bowie, and then we will get rolling with the show here. stuff here or well not necessarily a movie but uh okay marvel cinematic universe stuff and that is word is out that samuel L. jackson is coming back to play nick fury again in an unnamed disney plus series now some of my you know comic book friends on Twitter are speculating that it might be about uh, S.W.O.R.D., which is kind of, well, like S.H.I.E.L.D. was there to kind of handle stuff on Earth, and S.W.O.R.D. is kind of to go out in outer space. So now, since uh, one of the last Spider-Man movie, uh, Fury was like off of Earth, he's like on some space resort somewhere or something, and so that might have been a hint or a foreshadowing or something, and I have no sources or no contacts or nothing like that, but honestly, the sword thing, or maybe Alpha Flight, that sounds like it makes sense, because in the comics, uh, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, that uh, was like a head of Alpha Flight, at least like in, like in some a couple times in her series, she's been like head of Alpha Flight. So that's possible. You know, put them back together. You know, Alpha Flight, maybe something like that. But well, I think the bigger thing to take out of this, though, is that as they continue on with you know Phase Four, Phase Five, and all that stuff that they are not just going to just totally dump the old cast or walk away from you know the, the established characters they're going to keep them in the loop now you know Wanda Vision is up is the thing that's up next on Disney Plus that's coming soon so that's you know, Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch, which they have not called her in the uh, MCU yet. And uh, Vision will be in that some kind of way. 
so we're gonna get that and then we've got the um, you know Falcon and Winter Soldier series coming up and then the, the Black Widow movie has now been moved to 2021 And um, so now this thing with, with Samuel L. Jackson is signed and delivered. You know, there's another, there's another Thor movie coming, and Guardians 3 is also coming somewhere down the line. So they're doing the smart thing here, which is to, you know, keep the keep as many of the established characters around because... There's a kind of a twofold thing that you have to guard against. One is just, you know, fatigue, which, I mean, there are a lot of, like, you know, weirdos on the internet who have been, you know, predicting MCU fatigue for years now, and they've been dead wrong. But I do think that. It is something, if you're in charge, if you're Kevin Feige, you have to be, you have to be preemptive about that. Because what will happen, what's, if you're not careful, if, if you're not pre, you know, if you're not proactive about that, then what will happen is that one day it will come, and it will come without warning, and then you'll be up the creek. So I think, and look, he's smart enough, he's a smart enough guy to know. And I'm sure that they are taking steps up to guard against that or to prevent it. Because, you know, you don't want that to happen. Because if it hits, then, you you know, things are going to, well, they're not going to fall off a cliff totally. But things will slow down if you hit that. And the other thing to guard against is, you know, too much new right, because we went on this long journey, this 12 year journey through 22 movies you know, we met these characters, we got familiar with these characters we went on this entire journey with them and we all the way up to this big climax in Endgame and there are going to be some people who were thinking, you know what, this was great, this was awesome, this was a really great trip through all of these movies, through all these years, I'm good. And you got to guard against that. And yeah, you always have to be careful with that when you, when you do, when, you know, when you do the big huge epic, and you have the big epic conclusion, you have to be careful not to tie up too much stuff gotta leave some things open and now they did that they did leave things open right they left uh, you know Sam Wilson was given the shield by Steve Rogers um I mean that's the biggest kind of open ending thing but you know Thor went off into space with the Guardians of the Galaxy so yeah, there, there, were, there were points that were put in there to kind of seeds to show that everything had not been you know tied into a bow. 
But they did tie a lot of stuff into a bow. And they're going to be some people who, you know what? Like I said, they you know you went through 22 movies over 12 years, and there are going to be people who say, you know what, that was really awesome, and I'm tired. <laughs> and I don't think it's not going to be like a big number of people or something. But again, you have to guard against that if you're Kevin Feige. And the way you you know, kind of guard against that or hedge against those things is to not just jettison all the established characters, right? By having more stuff with some of those people, you give everybody a reason to stick around. And part of that is, and you know, Samuel L. Jackson is part of that. That's, I mean, because look, if you know Fury is no longer a part of it, then you have to replace Nick Fury. And then if whoever you replace him with isn't as you know doesn't hit as well as Samuel L. Jackson does, did as Fury, you ain't got a problem. Now look, he won't be around forever, obviously, but you know keeping bringing him back on for this thing is a good idea, very good idea. And, you know, so is keeping Wanda Maximoff around for the next Doctor Strange movie. Um, you know, whatever they're going to, whatever the Thor movie's going to be, Thor, Love and Thunder, they're bringing back Natalie Portman, Jane Foster, and Tessa Thompson is, you know, Valkyrie, she'll be back also, right? So, you know, they're, gonna, they're keeping people around. And it's a good idea because, you know, looking at just the, um, some of the movies they have planned for the next phase, like Eternals, it's just an entirely new set of characters. Now they cast like an all-star cast of big names to kind of offset that. And then, you know, Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi, I forget which one it is, um, again also new character and so you're kind of trading on the Marvel cachet to try to you know get some new characters over in those two movies so I mean the hedge against that is to you know is to do as much do as much stuff as you can with existing established characters because look people like familiarity that's why you make sequels because people like fans those of us who watch and read or whatever we like to come back to the well okay as long as you keep making stories that we find entertaining we will keep coming back to the well and no we will not come back in you know these same numbers every time but we will watch it, even if we don't all go to a theater and pay money for it. We will watch the next chapter each time. And that'll, you know, that'll help the studio some kind of way. <laughs> right? I mean, 
don't let anybody tell you that they don't like that the sequels are terrible or a terrible idea. They're not. Okay. If sequels didn't make money, they wouldn't make sequels. But they do. Because, like I said, deep down inside, we like our familiar people and our familiar characters. So, welcome back aboard, Sam Jackson. Good to see you stick around. And let's go, baby. You know, we, we had a whole year with no MCU films. And I won't say that's a blessing in disguise, but it very well may be a thing that prolongs the series, you know, over time. Because, you know, we thinking just not having you know two or three more movies this year has given us a time a chance to breathe although well the circumstances are suck <laughs> I mean but anyway welcome back Sam Jackson now let's just get to 2021 well let's get to WandaVision in a few weeks then let's get to 2021 so we can get on to the next part of the journey. And now it's time to get on to the next part of the show after this. came in and that the last minute like on Thursday night and you know I'm always I publish on Friday morning so you know whatever happens Thursday night usually isn't gonna make the cut but last Thursday the you know gang from the NBA on TNT chimed in about the Breonna Taylor I don't know what you would call it. Um, well, I mean, her killing is a murder. <laughs> but the whole situation, um, I don't know, whatever. But they commented on it. And I didn't actually listen to them. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> because from what I heard from commentary I saw about the commentary um, 
Charles Barkley once again. <clears throat> Did not side with us. Uh, he just kind of super equivocated and even went as far as to say that, you know, we, we got to stop being so mad at the police. You know, something along the lines of, you know, well, when something happens, you know, who are we going to call Ghostbusters? Um, all right, here's the thing, right? Right now, or at least for the past few years, you know, there have been just more and more episodes or situations or acts of police misconduct being caught on camera, being just documented in other ways, being reported, etc. <clears throat> we consider that these things are ending up with people being dead who should not have been. And when you consider that it's happening all over the country, And while it is happening disproportionately to black people, it's also happening to people who aren't black. Okay, I'm sorry. The idea that these things are all going to go on and be documented, and in some cases end up in a courtroom being you know, litigated, and that cities and counties are paying out settlements, which, for all intents and purposes, is admitting that the police were wrong in doing what they did the idea that you know we're not that we shouldn't be criticized police too much or that you know we we should be a little more delicate in our talking about them is, is ludicrous okay i'm sorry if enough members of your group whatever group that is if enough members of your group are out here just committing acts of outright fuckery, then the group is going to get criticized. And yeah, that sucks for you if you're not one of those people acting badly. Okay? Yes, it sucks. It sucks to have to hear the group get criticized. It sucks to be lumped in with people who are doing some really horrible things, some of whom you have no contact with whatsoever, and you have absolutely no even, you know, peripheral connection to. All right. But that's the way it goes. <clears throat> because... If you're part of the group, then even if you're not doing the bad stuff, I mean, you're part of the environment, you're, right? I mean, and no, I don't demand that everybody who's, everybody who's in a group who's not doing something bad have to run up on all the people who are, right? I know that's not realistic. 
alright but entirely too many people are defending the bad acts or equivocating alright until we get to that then yeah the group as a whole is going to get criticized and they're going to get criticized a lot and it's not going to be delicate it's not going to be polite okay and the difference is that again there are people defending the acts okay like nobody defends the you know the, the, the the priests that were have been you know abusing and raping children in the Catholic Church nobody nobody defends the act but yet I mean the institution of the cact the cactus church cactus Catholic Church and see what happens when you try to be be all self-righteous and super serious you you say cactus instead of Catholic and you make a fool out of yourself all right. The Catholic Church as an institution, as an organization, gets criticized all day long. But, you know, that doesn't happen. But, well, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm like rambling all over the place here, but listen. Alright. Like I was saying, when enough members of your group are doing bad, the group is going to get criticized. Alright. And that's all there is to it. The Catholic Church gets criticized because so many of the priests there <coughs> were, or still are, unfortunately, you know, raping and abusing children. You know, politicians as a group get criticized because so many of them have been proven to be corrupt. Like just bad actors in, in office. Okay, that's why the group gets criticized. And that's where we are with the police. The group is going to get criticized. And yes, if you're not one of the bad actors, yes, I, I get it. It stinks. It stinks to be lumped in with murderers and, you know, shakedown artists <clears throat> and all other kinds of people. All right. And no, you cannot single-handedly take on all those folks yourself. And yes, the, the, the cards are way stacked against you. When it comes to dealing with the bad actors in your profession. That is all true. 
But that means that when the group is getting criticized, then, I mean, you just got to sit there and take the L. I mean, it just, that's all the best way it is. Look, I mean, you know, when women criticize men for being terrible, right, does, does it, do I get irritated sometimes? Yes, I do. I absolutely do get irritated sometimes at hearing that. Okay. But I'm part of the group. And there are enough of us that are doing bad, doing bad things. There are enough of us that are doing that for the group to get criticized. And as much as it irritates me to hear the criticism, to hear, you know, particularly about stuff that I do not do and have, quite frankly, have never done. Yes, is is it irritating as hell to hear the criticism? Yes. Is it powerful to court? Is it just a thing that I just got to accept? Well, yeah. All right. A lot of men have done a lot of really bad things to women. And it's still hard. And it's still going to be. And I'm a man. So I'm part of the group. So if women want to criticize the group, or if even other men want to criticize the group, then you know what? You just got to hold the L. Alright, you just got to take it. Alright. Because I'm not going out there to beat down every man who has done bad things to a woman. Right? So that means I'm part of the group. So I got to, you know what? When the criticism is being thrown out there, if I got to hear some of it, then I got to hear some of it. Okay? It is what it is. And that goes... You know, for y'all in law enforcement, okay, a lot of your contemporaries are doing real bad stuff out there to people, and stuff that's resulting in people getting killed, alright, I'm sorry, okay, enough of them are doing that that the group can get criticized, that the group will get criticized as a group. And no, people are not going to take the time to differentiate you if you're not one of the bad guys. Alright? And yeah, that stinks. And yeah, it's not fair. But life ain't fair. Okay? It just isn't. (laughs) You know what? As... A Christian and as a church going man, you know what? Sometimes does it irritate me sometimes? You know, when I hear and see all the criticisms and things that people have against Christians and church going people? Yes. Do we as a group deserve the criticism? Absolutely. Yes, we do. We do. Because enough of us are guilty of the very things that people criticize us for. Alright? And I'm part of the group. Even if I'm not doing that stuff. 
so the group won't get criticized. And yeah, it can yeah 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 it can be irritating hearing or seeing criticisms about based on stuff that you personally don't do. Or maybe in some cases things you don't do anymore. <laughs> okay. No hands are clean. But but um still, I mean the group deserves the criticism. So you may not want to hear it, but sometimes you just gotta take it. And that goes for white people too. <laughs> well, look, if you've been listening to me all along, you know I was going to go there. <laughs> but seriously, um. I know there are white people who don't like being lumped in with racists, right? Who don't like being lumped in with um, racists. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I know you're out there. You're not racist. You don't like being lumped in with racists. You don't like being criticized about stuff that you don't do. But enough of y'all do the bad stuff. Just like these other groups. That the group is going to get criticized. And if you're part of the group. Then you got to take the L. Okay. <clears throat> That's just how it is. Now, if you're part of a group that, you know, doesn't do all the stuff or doesn't do as much of the stuff as they get criticized for, then that's different. And there are groups like that that take, get way more crap thrown at them than they deserve. But <clears throat> if you're part of a group that does all the very things that, that the group is being criticized for, then, then as much as it may irritate you, as much as may may piss you off to hear or see these criticisms, you're just gonna have to eat it. Okay, I mean you are, because you're part of a group that does that has a lot of members who do a whole lot of bad things, and there are so many of them that do it that the group is gonna take a hit, and that's life. <clears throat> and one of the reasons we end up in this situation in the first place is because for so long these groups didn't get any scrutiny and they were allowed to just do whatever and they were put on pedestals and there are groups we still put on pedestals I'm not going to run through them all here because I don't can't think of them all right now. But <clears throat> they're still out there. 
and ultimately putting people on pedestals. This is that's where it leads. All right. I mean So if you're part of a group that's getting criticized as a group for bad acts, you're not one of the bad actors, but then you feel just some kind of way because you're tired of hearing the criticism. Well, buckle up. <clears throat> Tell me more where that came from. That's just the way it works. You know, do what you can to not be one of those people. And when the opportunity comes to speak out, then you may, or to take on the system, then maybe, you know, that's a decision point for you. And that decision is not easy, won't be easy, may have consequences for you. But, well, again, that's life. That's how it goes. Nobody's clean. Nobody gets out of this thing easy. And now I'll take the easy way out and go to a break. <laughs> Be back in a minute. small affair To the girl with the mousy hair but her mommy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go But her friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through her sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a sad thing for She's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools As they ask her to focus on Sailors fighting in the dance hall Oh man, look at those give and go It's a freaky show Take a look at the season that we figured was going to get here sooner or later. And that's where the coronavirus has busted the door like Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> and what I mean is that the uh, Tennessee Titans has what can only be considered an outbreak. I think it's actually officially, officially being considered an outbreak also. They've had like nine people you know, that's staff and players combined who've tested positive. So they had to close the whole facility facility this whole week. And also the game they were supposed to have with Pittsburgh Steelers was 
postponed. And the Minnesota Vikings, who they played this past Sunday, had, you know, they tested everybody. Nobody was positive, thankfully. But, well, this is what they were trying to avoid. And you know, I said before the season started that, you know, there are going to be kind of little stages they need to get through. You know, first it was camp, which they did. And then, you know, I kind of put the next benchmark at about the six-game mark. And, well, they made it halfway there before an outbreak. So now the real question is, will this be the only one, or is this going to happen elsewhere? And, you know, they don't have a bubble. So it's entirely dependent on how people act when they're not at work. So what I'm guessing we'll find is that some of these folks, you know, congregating in some areas they shouldn't have been. Or maybe they picked it up from somebody who had been congregating in some area they shouldn't have been. But that's the risk when you have people going back home and on and such. So let's hope that this is the only one. You know, the baseball looked like they were in jeopardy for a minute there, but, you know, they got it together. Hopefully the NFL does the same thing here. And while we're on the topic of the NFL, yes, my uh, beloved Washington football team lost again. So <laughs> they're one and two. But as of now, we're still in first place because the NFC East is terrible. It is. <laughs> And, well, they're probably going to take it on the chin against the Ravens. So it comes down. So we'll see what the rest of the division does. I mean, the Giants are terrible. Dallas has been underachieving. And the Eagles have been bad so far. So who knows? Six and ten might be all we need. <laughs> Doubt it. But, you know, I mean, oh, boy, not good. Not good at all. Could be worse. It could be like Ofer, like the Jets, or a couple of these other teams. So right now, <laughs> I will savor our one victory. And maybe I shouldn't have gloated too much after week one, but hey, what can you do? What can you do, really? <laughs> but uh, hope for the best. So... Hopefully this corona thing will not become a bad thing. And it won't get any worse. And then hopefully they'll still be able to finish the season. You know, I think you got 50-50 odds still at best, but, you know, we'll see what happens there. All right, so uh, we're back. And... Before I get into the full-fledged politics talk, I'm going to mix a little politics and sports here. Because, uh, well, there was a story, I think, in the, uh, the Ringer about how a lot of the NBA owners are, or most of the NBA owners, are donating money to... Republicans, even though like the players largely support Democrats, um, and how 
it kind of contradicts all the you know black lives matter support they've been pledging um I mean, I've spoken here before about, you know, what are you going to do versus, you know, tweeting hashtags and whatnot. And one of the questions I had was, who are you voting for? Who are you supporting? And that's why I ask it, because unfortunately, Black Lives Matter has become a partisan thing. And it's, you know, at least I think largely because it was started by black people and black people overwhelmingly vote for the Democratic Party. And, you know, some of the first politicians you saw talk about it and the ones that you heard talk, you know, the most supportively of it are Democrats. Which means that in today's climate, it became a partisan issue. And that means that Republicans have to oppose it, which is unfortunate because, you know, wanting to stop police brutality should not be a Democrat or Republican thing. I mean, it really shouldn't. Yeah, well, there's a conundrum, basically, because you know, if you're going to protest or demonstrate and all of that, then I mean, the end game is ultimately to get some laws made or some laws changed that will, you know, help your cause or further your cause or meet some of the goals of your movement. In order to get laws made or get laws changed, you got to get people in office to do it, which means you got to go to the politicians. And politicians who are actually in office are either Democrats or Republicans. So you go to one, the other one's got to oppose it. Although I will say that the kind of mentality is much more prevalent on the Republican side. I'm not going to Sitting and do the you know both sides thing, um, you're way more likely to get you know just just because opposition to something from Republicans. If some Democrats start speaking out in support of it, then vice versa. <coughs> you know. As far as the NBA owners, well, sports owners tend to lean Republican. And that's largely because they're big businessmen and they want their tax cuts and their deregulation. And you are more than likely to get that from Republicans. 
Now, there are some owners who are, you know, staunch anti-abortionists. There are some who are, you know, who have been, you know, staunchly opposed to, you know, gay rights. I like the DeVos family, I believe. Who, you know, long-time owners of the Orlando Magic. So, you know, those folks support Republicans for other reasons than just tax cuts and deregulation. But, <coughs> you know, the fact that they're doing that this year is, you know, particularly telling. Yeah, and as Bo Marnie Jones actually mentioned this on his, you know, great time podcast that uh, it's pretty common for your big business, man. You have to give money to both parties because essentially whoever wins, you know, they want to have some inroads with. So for the NBA in order to be this overwhelmingly supportive of politicians who are in fact opposed to the what is the number one issue that their players are supporting or promoting um, will make things a little awkward. <coughs> like you can't force them to not support those folks, but I mean, you can put it out there in the light. You can ask questions. And quite frankly, they have every right to ask questions. Particularly when the NBA, you know, dipped heavy into the slogans and the hashtags and all of that. You know, and the owners, you know, to their credit, have this summer and now fall have not voiced any opposition to their players speaking up or speaking out about things. You know, we don't we. So I guess, you know, that puts them ahead of the NFL owners. <laughs> you know. But it's still contradictory as hell. And it's still an example of what I was talking about, what I've been talking about. You know, tweets are nice, hashtags are nice, okay, fine. You know, slogans, okay, fine. But where are you putting your material support? You know, you know who you hiring? And I'll just throw that in there, right? All those things matter. And they matter more than sloganeering hashtags and tweets and you know all of that gotta put your money where your mouth is and not just pay lip service now let me say lip service does matter it's not insignificant but it's just it's the beginning not the end all be all And with that, I'm going to do the dreaded thing after this and get all the way into politics next. Be right back. Hope you stick with it.
Well, all right, this is a special last minute addition here to the show because really late Thursday night news came out that the president and the first lady have tested positive for COVID-19. And this was like a day or two after one of their one of the president's aides, um, Hope Hicks, tested positive and was having symptoms. Um, not surprised. He's been as reckless and as stupid about this as one could possibly be. And, you know, this whole time they've been trying to project this image of returning to normal and of not being afraid and strength, you know, and all this stuff. And that's where this gets you. So, and I got the news on the background while I'm doing this. That's what you're hearing. But, you know, well, this is, this is America in a nutshell, really. Because, you know, so many people wanted to just go back to being normal. That they completely disregarded this. And he's been at the front of it. You know, he's insisting that we need to open everything back up. And he literally just said, you know, earlier Thursday that, you know, that it's almost over. Right? You know, they've been, he and his people have been pushing that since March. You know. So I'm not surprised. And I'm actually quite disgusted because, you know, they weren't going to tell anybody. It got leaked to the press when, uh, because after Hope Hicks tested positive, that got leaked to the press. And then because, you know, she's one of those communications people, she's around everybody and she's around him. And the vice president and a whole bunch of other people. So now all of them got quarantined or should quarantine. And because there's a good chance some of them might get it from her. He might have gotten it from her. And he's been going to these damn rallies with their hundreds or thousands of people. And basically creating super spreader situations. And I imagine that given what we know about him. He's really not going to want to stay quarantined for 14 days. He's going to try to get back out there and do more rallies and all of that. Um, you know, this really brings in the question, you know, uh, how we react to people we don't like falling in the bad times. Because, you know, there are a lot of people in my Twitter timeline just outright celebrating. And... Uh, well, I haven't been doing that. I, I don't blame him. I mean, this man has shown a callous disregard for all the people who died, for all the people who have gotten sick and maybe survived, but they're going to have health problems. He continues to say that it's a hoax or that it's not as bad as you know the media and the Democrats are saying it is and that you know, it's no big deal. 
you know, he's suggested to people that, you know, maybe they inject bleach. He's suggested, he continues to suggest using that hydrochloride drug, which, you know, has been shown over and over to not work. And that has actually killed some people in the process. Uh, he continues to, you know, tell people to take off masks when they're around him. Um, and you know, it's been shown that he knew how bad it was, but didn't do anything. I mean, this this is laid bare just how terrible of a person he is. And if you don't feel bad in the least that he got this, then I understand. Uh, for me, I mean, my primary concern is that he's around so many people. You know, White House staff, he was on stage with Joe Biden. Um, you know, going to these rallies. And I've long suspected he's been an asymptomatic carrier because so many people who work in the White House have, you know, tested positive for it. There's just no way that all those other people have been getting it and he somehow avoided it all this time. But um, one thing we know for sure, he's been reckless. And this is not some hoax and this is some master plan to turn the tide on the election. All right, he's not that smart. All right, we've seen that. You know, stop attributing special hidden genius to this guy when he's shown us he has none. And quite frankly, you know, you want an example of, you know, white supremacy, racism, that's it right there. Like this man has shown repeatedly that he isn't very smart. And yet people continue to attribute, you know, some type of secret genius to what he does. It's like, no. He's not secretly genius. It's just he's a guy who has always had people around him to clean up his messes and bail him out. He's loud, boisterous, hostile, and dumb. He's just had people there to keep that stuff from doing them in. So don't make this into something bigger than it is. He's reckless. He caught it. And we'll see how it affects him. We'll see if he's giving it to anyone else around him. Let's hope not. All right. And now this ends your specially recorded segment. And back to the regular show. Funny thing, am I still too young? Because 
<laughs> Maybe that siren you're hearing is, is sending me a message to stop. <laughs> I'm walking outside while I'm doing this part and uh, walking past the fire station. So <laughs> apparently, either they're getting ready to roll out or they're testing something or whatever. But you know, I'm I'm going to ignore that and not and act. I'm not going to act like that's some type of bad omen omen for me here. Okay. But, uh, you know, with the debate having gone down this week, and gone down is the proper way to describe it, I just kind of felt like I had to say something here, not just, you know, pretend it didn't happen. But, instead of talking up or talking down this candidate or that one, which I don't need to do, because look, if you followed me this long, whether it's just listening to the kind of stuff I say here, or if you follow me on Twitter, or if you know me personally, you know which way I go politically, you know who I'm voting for, and for those of you who are still like, huh? I vote Democrat, and I, yeah, I am voting for Biden, okay? So, I'm just going to put that out there to start with. Now, all that being said, uh, what I do want to talk about just, you know, one of recurring kind of complaint or thing that I've seen on Twitter in particular is that, how did we get stuck with these two candidates? Ugh. And my answer to that is that they won their primaries. <laughs> you know, and sometimes the simplest explanation is right. <laughs> okay, I mean, Donald Trump ran in the Republican primary in 2016, and he won. Okay, that's what happened. That's how he got nominated for president. Joe Biden won the 2020 Democratic primary. That's how he got nominated. And they both won their primaries because more people voted for them than their opponents. Okay. And and you might be wondering, well, 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 duh. But I'm saying that because some people don't seem to get that. <laughs> okay? I mean, 
you know, they were not chosen in a back room by, you know, 12 people or something, right? They were primaries, they were caucuses, they campaigned, they had opponents. They had a very wide, in both cases, they had a very wide, broad field of opponents. And they got more votes than their opponents. So they won. And I'm saying all that to point out is that they got to where they are because real people, regular people, voted for them. All right? It wasn't the powers that be or, you know, you know, the DNC or the or the you know RNC or whatever I mean a lot of people always want to blame quote unquote the parties but parties are made up of people like millions of people went out and voted so when people tell you voting doesn't matter uh, it absolutely does because if more people had voted in those primaries <coughs> well doesn't guarantee anything. I mean, it simply might have meant more people voted for the guys who won. But, there, I mean, some of those other candidates would have gotten more votes than they did. And maybe, you know, they would, their level of support early on would have been such that the primary shaked out differently. And look, I mean, you gotta participate. Because if you don't, then the, the people who do will decide the winners. And that's all there is to it. Now, unfortunately, there are some states where they make it as difficult as possible for you to participate. That's a whole different matter. But if you don't live in one of those states, then you don't have an excuse. <laughs> and look, I know there are a lot of people I see on Twitter in particular who are tired of being told, you know, vote, vote, vote. You know, and the retort they usually come with is that, well, we've been voting. Can't, you know, y'all keep telling us to vote. Just vote, vote, vote. Like, that's the solution. And, like, no. Voting is not the solution. Voting is part of the solution. Because if you don't, there, again, there are people who are voting. Okay. 
I mean, all these policies, good, bad, and in between, are being instituted by people who were voted into office. Okay. Whether it's directly from them or through people that work for them or whatever, people they appointed. Right, Supreme Court is appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Those are all people who voted in office. Uh, the way that, you know, the coronavirus pandemic, you know, handling here is a direct result of who's in the White House. And we have previous examples from both Democrats and Republicans handling potential pandemics much differently. So yeah, it matters that Trump was in the White House and he got there because people voted for him. So yes, voting matters. Yes, you need to vote. Now, of course, I want you to vote the same way I'm voting. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and pretend otherwise. Okay, I mean, you know. <laughs> and we're going to keep it 100 and people tell you vote, vote, vote. That's what they, they leave out the part, you know. Vote for people I'm voting for. Yeah, but that's what they mean. That's what I mean. You know, now I've seen a lot of people say that, oh, we shouldn't have you know, the President of the United States, you know, 70-something years old when they take office. That, you know, that that's too old. Um, now, you know what? I actually tend to agree with that. Even though now I think Trump is an example of 70 something years old and out of his mind and you know Biden is 70 something years old and still has his wits about him and all. So I think to lump both of them together is wrong. But just as a general rule, having yeah, I mean having someone who's above the age of seventy when they would take office as president is probably not the way to go. And that would include, you know, that would have included Bernie Sanders. Um, I think Hillary was almost 70. She, you know, um, Elizabeth Warren's almost 70. So, I mean, Hillary had, won, had been elected in 2016. She might be, I don't know how old she is right now, but she'd be, if she wouldn't be 70 already, she'd be close to it. Um, same with Elizabeth Warren. You know, Bernie Sanders be, is over 70. So you know, Biden and Trump are over 70. So you're having out of, you know, with the what, one, two, three, four people probably, you know, who've been 
either gotten or been around the getting the nomination you know to have all of them that up in age no it's not ideal but here's the thing the, the younger people who run against them gotta win you know if the 65 year old the 70 year old runs and, and if they continue to be able to beat the 45 year old or the 50 year old then well you know there comes a point where you know you got to look at the people who are running and if they can't figure out how to run a winning campaign then that's on them and look I mean campaigns are work that's a long hard slog that takes almost if you if you if you go all the way to the general election you're talking two years of work and it requires all types of strategy and communication and going out to meet voters, you know, fundraising. Now, Barack Obama did it and he was in his 40s. So it can be done. Bill Clinton was in his 40s. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's possible. You don't have to be 60-something years old to win a primary campaign or to win the White House. And George W. Bush was in his 50s, I think. So it can be done, but the candidates have to do it. So, for me, no, it's not ideal having 70-something-year-olds take an oath of office. But, somebody has to beat them. And there's something missing with younger candidates from the last couple of cycles. Gotta find what that is. Or else we'll keep doing this. <laughs> because the older folks right now are no past two cycles, the older folks have been the ones who've known how to win. We'll get close to winning. If you're, you know, if you're disillusioned with that, then you need to, you know, get off the bench today, partner. Well, because look, these, you know, magical 
perfect candidates or magical better candidates who a lot of y'all, you know, wish would show up and would get nominated and would win elections. Well, there aren't too many of them out there. Most people who are viable, true viable presidential candidates have some years in politics. And that means that they've done some things you're not going to like. You know, they've voted for stuff that doesn't look so good in hindsight. They voted against stuff that looked a lot better in hindsight, or that, that looked plenty fine at the time, but for whatever reason they voted against it. You know, they've taken campaign money from folks that they probably wouldn't want to be seen in a picture with. <laughs> um, <laughs> or they've, you know, they've had stances, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, that they don't have today. They have stances today that, you know, should they get elected, maybe they won't have in a few years. I mean, that's the reality of politics because you're running to get votes from Know, big huge diverse group of people who don't all have the same feelings and beliefs about everything and you got to get enough people from each group to get enough votes to win so sometimes I mean that's just the reality of it and particularly now um They've done studies, there have been a ton of studies done out there that show basically that once people form their voting habits, they tend to stick with them. So, once you've kind of formed a habit of voting for Democrats, you tend to keep voting for Democrats. If you have a habit of voting for Republicans, you tend to keep voting for Republicans. If you have a habit of you know, switching back and forth, you keep switching back and forth. So it's a lot harder today to come out and say, okay, these are all the things I stand for. And then get people to vote for you, you know, from different sides of the aisle and all of that stuff. It's harder to do that now. I mean, so yes, politicians running for office, particularly today, yeah, you might say one thing in one room and a different thing in a different room. And if you've been doing this for a while, then you have a long track record. And you have a long track record of doing that. So, 
yeah, chances are, when we're talking about the presidency in particular, you know, any politician who has a real chance at winning that office, well, they got some stuff in their file that, you know, that <laughs> gonna look real funny to you when you look at it. And you wanted to make a decision to say, oh well, it is what it is. And that turns you off from voting altogether. Well, just understand that, again, some, just because you don't vote don't mean nobody else is. And them folks are going to vote and they're going to decide the election. And if you get stuck with somebody you think is terrible because, you know, you and a lot of other folks didn't vote, well, that's the way it goes. Um, you know, at the end of the day, no hands are clean. Not mine, not yours. Definitely not the people running for office. But ultimately, we got to choose between the people who are running. And we can't sit back and wait for somebody who isn't. And hell. Maybe you ought to run. Mm. You know, we, we want better government, we want better elected officials, and better people gotta run. And you might be one of those better people. So, maybe you need to consider running. The best candidate for you might be the one in the mirror. And I keep going, but I'm gonna stop here. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't think y'all wanna to listen to me go for an hour straight talking about politics. So I'm, I'm gonna shut it down right here. <laughs> and I guess I'm gonna close on a more somber note again. Got some more Brown Taylor stuff to talk about here. Be right back.
So, almost time to go for this week. And like I said, I'm going to touch a little bit more on the Breonna Taylor situation. Uh, because we also we heard last week that one of the officers got indicted for like endangerment or something. And, and it, you know, basically no one got charged with any type of you know, murder or manslaughter or anything like that. And now it turns out that that may be because they were never given the option of indicting on that. So I saw a story about that there was well, an anonymous juror is you know saying that they were not ever offered the option of charging with murder and that now they want the you know the race recordings or whatever of the proceedings to be released because what the attorney general you know our buddy that I had a few nice things to say about last week You know, basically, uh, this anonymous juror is alleging that the DA or Attorney General, I don't, whatever title he is, DA, AG, piece of shit, whatever, I mean, that's, that's the right title for him if you ask me, but whatever, he's being, they're, they're being alleged that he never offered that as an option and also that he's basically lying to us because he got out there when he was doing his little song and dance routine. He got out there and made it look like the jury chose not to charge with that. Which is an entirely different thing. Right? I mean, now look. As much as I think that guy's a piece of garbage, if he had presented things the right way, and the jury had just chosen not to indict for, you know, homicide or manslaughter or whatever, you know what, then I would give him a little bit of a break here, okay, because that would mean essentially that he did his job and that, you know, we're looking at the societal problem, which, I mean, we still are, but... At least, you know what, he'd be able to say he did his job. But if the allegation's true, then he's an even bigger piece of crap than, than we thought he was before. And it just, you know, feeds into the idea that he was going to tank the case anyway. And too often that's what happens with these things. 
prosecutor doesn't really want to put the person on trial. Whether it's the police or somebody or some civilian piece of crap like George Zimmerman. You know, the prosecutor doesn't really want to put them on trial. So they slow walk everything. You know, they do whatever they can to pass the buck. And then they, you know, want to just be able to throw their hands and say, oh, well. That's, that's the system. But it looks like in this case, you know, again, this guy's a piece of crap. And and now he's trying to delay releasing the uh, <laughs> recording because, well, he's probably going to be busted once the recording come out. And you know what? If you don't do things wrong, you got nothing to hide. So why don't you just let it all out? And then, hey, if you're doing your job like you're supposed to be, shouldn't be a problem right there, Ace. And, uh, once it comes out, if it turns out you didn't do it right and you get in trouble over that, don't expect your buddies to come save you, loser. Anyway, enough of that. I'm not going to go on all about that. But, you know, I'm going to keep highlighting this stuff because it needs to be highlighted. And we keep talking about it until it doesn't need to be talked about anymore. So I'm going to leave it there for this week on that. So um, be back in a minute and we'll get out of here. Alright, so that's it for this week. And what I'll do is, since the last segment there was kind of a downer, yeah, I'll leave you guys with a little positivity here. And that is a thank you to all of you who were listening. Because I started this back in March. And this is episode 42. You know, when you add them all up. And over 42 episodes, uh, what I've noticed, looking at the numbers and everything, that, you know, in the past month, that... So, uh, 42 episodes in, and... In the past month, the uh, numbers have really started to go up a good bit. And, you know, for older episodes and newer ones. And so, just thank you guys, really. I mean, if, you know, for those of you who were there from the beginning, and those of you who have come in more recently, uh, thank you. I appreciate you guys listening. You know, I sharing it if you're doing that I appreciate all of that you know and look I started this basically as kind of a creative outlet or it's kind of a thing I always wanted to do and my kind of you know money were no object project thing you know if would be to kind of run my own radio station like I guess satellite or whatever now and 
you know, I would talk here and, you know, I would talk a bit and I'd play a whole bunch of different music. So what you're getting from me here is kind of like a small sample size of, you know, my uh, kind of dream project. And I, I'm glad, those of you who are listening and who are liking it, I'm glad that you do. And, you know, and then, and while, you know, I didn't have any particular goal as far as audience size or whatever, it is nice to see things going up. Because, like, nobody wants to, you know, just have, like, two people listening to their thing that they're doing, right? I mean, whether we have any type of real goals or not, you know, we all want the audience to be <laughs> to get bigger. So to see that actually happening it is a really cool thing. And that wouldn't happen without you guys. Because, look, I'm not going to ride around to, you know, different locations <laughs> and different places and, you know, get on people's internet <laughs> and, you know, play my own podcast right just to put numbers up there i'm not going to do that that's like really kind of a crazy thing there to do so that you know the idea that just the notion that people are doing it and you know are, are doing this on their own and you know i'm not having to beg or you know, pay people or something, you know, I mean, it's, it's nice, and I, it, it puts a smile on my face, really, and like, what I try to do here is, you know, the things I talk about, well, they tend to skew more serious, you know, but it's, you know, I talk about what's going on in the world, and, you know, things I like to do, and that kind of stuff, And what I hope is that my, my, my goal, my aim is to talk about them in such a way that I am managing to be a little bit unique from what you normally hear. You know, when I talk about matters of, you know, race and racism, I am trying to do it different than what you normally get out there and you know I try to be candid basically and I try to say things that don't get said in diversity training seminars or that don't get said when people are you know trying to make profound statements on like TV or whatever or even in private conversations right between friends of different races, right, I, I just, I try to be candid, and I hope that that is in its own way kind of enlightening and illuminating, that's what I, you know, that's what I'm hoping for, so when it comes to stuff like that, you know, I think, when I talk about it, one of my goals is the for you to want to keep listening. <laughs> so while, yeah, I do get on white people, <laughs> I'm not all, look, I realize 
there's a diminishing returns, you know, to that. But I'm not going to soft pedal either, right? I'm going to be candid and, you know, to have any real conversations and discussions about, you know, race, racism that's going to require, you know, the people to hear some things that they, you know, don't necessarily sit well with them, right? I mean, it's going to take some demands to be made of people. That's what I try to do when I talk about that stuff. So for those of you who have hung on with me, even if I say a little something on that that maybe kind of burns your ears up a little bit, thank you. And it's been, wow, well, it's October now started in March, it's been seven months now, so seven months of knock on wood, 42 episodes, and here's the next 42, and the next after that, and the next after that, God willing, so I'll leave it there, and for this week, I'll leave you as I always do. You know, stay in as much as you can because we still got the old COVID-19 out there. It's not gone away. So stay in as much as you can. When you do go out, stay as safe as you can. Protect yourself as much as you can. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. God bless you guys. Talk to you next week. Just for one day. We can be heroes. Just for one day.